everything you said would come true has. I changed something, erased something. We're not meant to be here. Life sometimes goes like you don't expect it to. Don't look at them. Do not look at them. No, no, do not look at them. Do not look at them. Don't Tell do it. Tell us how you really look, feel. You know As you know, this is the Utterly Nonsense Podcast, a weekly show where we explore the latest topics in entertainment, but mostly the stuff that matters to us. And you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Music, Anchor, SoundCloud, almost anywhere you can get your podcasts, and it'll always be free. And of course, if you already do subscribe to us, which you really should, or follow us on one of the platforms John just mentioned, uh, you're familiar with all of that information already. Why the heck do we even bring it up? I mean, obviously our entire audience subscribes to us, so... You know. Yes, of course. All those views we're getting, those are all subscriptions. Wait, what do you mean they're not subscribing? <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, though, we are a small channel, so please do subscribe. It is free, so, you know, every little bit helps. Yeah, and we have practically daily content now, if you can consider segments to be separate content from the yeah, main podcast. It's pretty, it's, I would say that's uh, pretty daily. That's yeah. pretty daily. Yeah, fairly daily. You'll get stuff. Okay. So what do we got on the docket for today? The first that we got, there was a new trailer released... For the upcoming Twilight Zone yeah, reboot, so, uh, remake thing. I think this is the third reboot series. We had the one in the 80s. We had the one in the two, early 2000s with Forrest Whitaker. And now we have this one, which will be on CBS All Access, their, you know, their new Netflix thingy, right. hosted by Jordan Peele. Okay, so, so um, what are we thinking I, here? Well, so you and I both uh, watched the trailer before we started recording here. Um, first of all, if you haven't seen this trailer, like watch it because... Uh, it, it 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 definitely hits like on a lot of notes for me, you know. Like uh, I I have a really good feeling about this reboot. Um, yeah. Uh, so the few things I do want to point out: uh, perfect execution of like a remastered version of the soundtrack. Like you hear this sort of eerie like Twilight Zone revamp music uh, playing throughout the whole thing. Uh, great cast so far, even aside from Jordan Peele, who like when he turns and looks at the camera, it's like <laughs> it, it's like he's looking into your soul, you know. Don't, don't look at them. <laughs> Don't look at them. Um, look at me. Oh, my God. I love it. Um, beyond him, we see uh, Adam Scott from uh, Parks and Rec. We see uh, Tracy Morgan, who, you yeah, know, no. he, he's like the most ridiculous man alive. But he, honestly, I love I want to see him in this thing. You know, I love him. Yeah. Um, we see John Cho. John Cho. Yeah, yeah was, exactly. Uh, Sulu. Uh-huh. And yeah. So uh, Star Trek movies. So it's nice to see that they're getting this like decent cast together for them. Um, like, I really haven't seen a weak link. Um, it, it's hard to tell based on this initial thing uh, if we're seeing like multiple clips from multiple episodes or if we're just seeing parts selected from a single episode that just involves multiple storylines within that episode. Yeah, well, I, I think we can tell that the years different characters that are the focus of each cut so right. i think it's multiple episodes one thing i like is that there's clear callbacks to some old episodes like i don't know i see a guy in a plane oh, i automatically think to the nightmare at twenty thousand feet the yeah, one with the whole, william uh, Shatner. on the side of the plane yeah yeah and here's the funny thing that episode starred originally 
William Shatner, you know, Kirk Star Trek, everybody knows mm-hmm. that. But they also show, you see a quick close-up of that little fortune tell, like, troll head, demon head, I don't know what to call it, uh, thingy. Which, there was another episode in Twilight Zone where this guy and this woman, they go into a little diner on their stop. They're, like, getting their car fixed while they're on the trip. And this thing, they put, like, a, a penny in it, and it'll tell them, like, a very short fortune or something like that. Like, he'll ask a question, a yes or no question, and it'll spit out an answer that's more or less a positive or a negative. And you see that exact thing, you know, in a very short cut. Now, the, another funny thing is William Shatner also starred in that episode. Hmm. Neat. The Star Trek connection, yeah. which we will also continue after this. But yeah, go on. So I, I do want to say uh, I, I can't honestly imagine a better choice for host of the series than Jordan Peele. Like um, he, he's become like the greatest horror director of his generation. He's become like the biggest name in horror of his generation um, between like Get Out, which, uh, you know, sort of gained cult classic status immediately. Uh, Us, which uh, that's this new movie coming out uh, later this year looks really good um and now this like whoever would have thought that the less famous of key and peele would become like this big you know you know didn't they say that he was more or less the brains behind most of the writing and then the other guy was always the you know the, the over the top acting i i heard it was always a pretty even partnership um hmm. but you know who really knows like what happens behind the scenes yeah and the best skits were always the ones that had a weird twist yeah and, like, where are they now? You have Peel, who is... He won an Academy Award, right? For something? Uh, for Get Out, yeah. He won for Best Screenplay, I believe. Yeah. And then you have uh, Key, who starred in the failed Predator reboot. Yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, Well, I mean, he's had a few successes, uh, Key and Michael Key, since the, they broke up. Or, they, not, I don't want to even say broke up, because it was a pretty amicable split. It's like... um. Uh, so, I mean, he's been in a few movies. Uh, he was just in that show, Friends from College, which uh, unfortunately just got canceled. Um, I, I saw the first season and, I, you know, I enjoyed what I saw of it. Um, and, and that is, you know, it has its moments. Um, beyond that, he's had a few, like, pretty decent movie roles. He was in uh, the Tomorrowland, that Disney movie from a few years back that no one saw. Um, was that the one with George Clooney? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no one and, saw uh, that. Hugh Laurie. <laughs> I, I actually did see it. Um, it wasn't terrible. It was just uh, unmemorable, really. Yeah. yeah I mean, so, uh, I mean, look, I, I, I don't think uh, Keegan Michael Key is going anywhere. It's just, you know, it's a def- definitely a sort of different career trajectory. Well, I hope he's going Excuse up. Me. Career I trajectory. He deserves, than a, he deserves. Yeah, no, he's awesome. I, I'd love to see him succeed, you know? Yeah. But I guess the main point is uh, I think this new Twilight Zone is in good hands. Yeah, absolutely. That's all state stand. <laughs> So, continuing on things CBS Access related, Star Trek Discovery was renewed for Season 3, which comes as a bit of a surprise because a lot of people were expecting or at least hoping for it to not go past Season 2 because I think, as I briefly mentioned before in the last episode, there was a whole big controversy going on with Season 1 where it pissed off a lot of Star Trek fans because it was a big departure in tone and visual from the traditional series and in season two clearly you could see from the trailer and the newer episodes that they're kind of on a course correction right now like they got back uh the captain from the unaired pilot of the original series and he's kind of the main captain now and you can see that they're trying to lighten up the tone probably in response to star trek fans and also the success of the orville because mm-hmm. the first season of discovery was like you know really serious and grim but another big complaint 
was that you don't really get to know the crew like you do in other shows. Like, the crews were always traditionally very well fleshed out. Whereas here, it's like a very select few. And I think, personally, as a result of the serious tone, that they had this comic relief character who I don't really like. But now, since they've lightened the tone, it's like everybody has their has their moments. But, yeah, season three, I'm not sure where they're going to go with that. I guess that means that it's doing well enough that they renewed it for a season three. Because before I heard that Netflix pretty much paid for the whole first season. and But then, you know, CBS had to fund the second. So I don't know if they took more risks or what. But here's a funny thing. So, you know the team that uh, worked on the J.J. Abrams reboots, Bad Robot? Sure, yeah. Yeah. So, Alex Kurtzman, who worked on all those movies, is leading the team uh, under a different name. But it's still pretty much like a, a similar team as the ones who worked on those movies. And they're doing... Uh, these shows so it's kind of like still the same creative uh, mindset and that's why a lot of the different camera angles and special effects are similar and but he's not going to be the main showrunner for this season three it's going to be someone else who's doing it and it also says funny enough they're also planning all these other star trek series it said one of them was like an animated comedy called uh, the lower decks and the main writer of that is actually one of the main writers for rick and morty oh that's cool Apparently he's a huge, been a huge fan of Star Trek for a long time. So yeah, I feel like to work on Rick and Morty, you must have that background to some extent, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, so I haven't really watched any of Star Trek uh, Discovery, but um, uh, I actually didn't know J.J. Abrams had any control over the series. I didn't know he had any influence over it whatsoever. Well, it's not it's not him personally. It's people who Just were his on team. his team during the making of the reboot films. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, Bad yeah. Robot has consistently been pretty good across series. I mean, um, Alias was, I think, their first big one. Uh, Fringe was amazing, which I think uh, more people should see. I don't know why people aren't talking about Fringe. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I guess I should give it a chance. But uh, just based on what I've heard, it seems just dull, you know? Yeah, well, there's a, like I said, there's a lot of traditional fans who absolutely despise it. And of course, it has its defenders. Personally, as someone who really likes Star Trek, I don't hate it. Like, it's clearly a departure, like I said, from the tone that's that we know of. But mm-hmm. I didn't really see that as a bad thing at first, because it was kind of about all this military conflict between Starfleet and the Klingons. So I thought it was going to be a more, you know, like, military-focused thing. But now they just say, oh, it, it's it's episodic, kind of, but there's, a, like, an end goal to each season. Each season has its own plot that's centered around. So it's like episodic seasons instead of a whole series focused on one thing or this episode's having standalone plots. Right. What was cool was that they brought back um, the guy who played Riker in The Next Generation to direct a couple episodes, who also directed uh, an episode or two of Orville. Yeah, cool. There's a lot of connectivity going on in sci-fi right now. I mean, uh, I mean, the Orville, I guess, was the other big thing. Um, it's one of the few shows I actually watch right now. Uh, unfortunately, we record this on Thursday nights, so I haven't had a chance to see the new episode yet. But uh, last episode was kind of a cliffhanger. And yeah, I mean, we big were watching that right before we started here. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, first of all, I will say for anyone who doesn't watch the show, watch the show. Um, for anyone who do- does watch the show, I've been saying since episode one, don't trust AI. <laughs> Never in sci-fi. If AI is a main character, probably not a good idea to like give them any sort of responsibility because you know they're gonna pull shit like this. Yeah, you can always be reasonably certain that you're gonna get betrayed or just outright exterminated. Yeah, unless it's RoboCop. 
Mm-hmm. Your move, creep. But yeah, that was one of the things that a lot of outspoken critics of Discovery say, is that Orville's kind of filling the void that it's left behind in terms of recreating that tone and feel of the original series. Is series? That's Is that plural? That's yeah. Yeah, singular yeah, yeah. and plural. It is, yeah. English is a weird language, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, what have you thought of this season of the Orville so far? Well, I think it took on a bit of a less comedic tone. I think it takes mm-hmm. itself slightly more seriously, maybe because of the success that it had, at least among uh, user critics and, and not uh, Rotten Tomatoes official critics. I don't even know how you could be an official critic, but... Yeah, no, um, it's, yeah. Yeah, I definitely like it. I think mm-hmm. it's introducing a, a bunch more concepts, like... The latest one we just saw, a whole planet of machines that I knew right from the beginning it was going to be a Terminator situation. How could it not? Yeah, a little bit. There is no uh, impromptu machine life that exists. I don't even think the Transformers just pop into existence. I think someone built uh, those and then they took over. Yeah, I mean, it sort of reminds me of the whole uh, Futurama storyline from, I guess it was like season seven or something where, uh, you know, they're having the whole creationism versus evolution debate and the professor inexplicably uh, creates this, uh, you know, series of machine life or inorganic life on this one planet. And, you know, they sort of evolved to a point overnight where they're like more evolved than any other species in existence. And I, yeah. I don't know. It sort of has like remnants of that. It's like I guess not the most original sci-fi story. Um, I think you see that a lot because it's just a, I guess a rational human fear. Even in uh, a video game series, Mega Man X, there's these things mm-hmm. called the Reploids, which are you know sentient robots, and of course uh, a bad one rises up and takes command of a whole series of rogue robots who try to kill everybody. It's just. The fear that the technology is going to advance faster than we can adapt to it. Like, I don't even know how to write code. I know you, you've been learning, but yeah, if, well, if a machine tra- like was attacking and I ha- and they said, oh, you got to reprogram it to do whatever, I'd be like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Well, that, <laughs> I mean, that's me. the thing. Like, um, any one of those machines, like, to first of all, to be that advanced, you would never be able to write code like that. You know, like, no one person could ever write a code like that advanced you mean you can't be felicity and just flap your hands all over the keyboard and immediately disable the entire earth's nuclear force well first of all i have not seen enough arrow to really know the character of felicity like beyond the crossover specials there's no doubt in my mind that the actress who plays her has no idea how to write a single code in any language yeah um uh look i'm very adept at that sort of thing i just actually got a perfect score on my first python exam which i'm very proud of because that proves i'm smarter than most comp sci majors but uh (laughs) Um, yeah, no, like that's like the class that causes a lot of people to drop out. So, uh, I'm pretty thrilled about myself, but, uh, look, I, I can tell just from experience, um, writing code isn't the easiest thing. A lot of people can't figure it out. Uh, machines specifically like AI specifically, uh, there's so many mechanisms running there just to, for like the most basic level of AI, like the, the, that actual level, uh, I don't know if there's a single human alive capable of writing AI single-handedly to that extent Mm -hmm. um even nowadays like um the ai we are seeing and like not to get like super political here and get into the whole debate about whether or not we should be having ai uh you know we're sort of seeing automation taking over like in modern society like uh you know not to the extent of like the terminators like uh, actually you know coming and destroying us and starting a war with us but uh you know, it's scary stuff like uh, and, you know, I I feel like this almost sort of shines a mirror onto like modern society, you know? Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah. So speaking of machines completely devoid of any emotion and empathy whatsoever, let's talk about Brie Larson's Captain Marvel. <laughs> wow, I knew you were going to, like, that was a perfect segue. I knew you were going to, like, get it there as soon as you mentioned uh, machines devoid of any sort of uh, meaning. Yeah. We have a telepathic link. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so Kevin Feige recently did a small, I guess, questionnaire or interview type thing where he made a few suspect statements. He said, Captain Marvel is one of the most popular character co- or characters in the comics right now, which I would strongly debate that that is false, but... I didn't verify it, so I really won't say much about it. Mm -hmm. And he also said that she is the most powerful Marvel character. Now, I assume he means the movies, but I know, since he's been familiar with Marvel so long, that he knows that is an absolute false statement if he's talking about the comics. And it's even a dumb statement to say in the movies, period, because there are other characters in the movies who should be more powerful than her. Okay, so... uh few things to break down here. First of all, I don't think this, there's too much of a story here, and I think why uh, I think that will become abundantly clear in a minute. Um, so first of all, like at least from what I can tell about her skill set, and we did do a segment on this a few weeks back. If uh, anyone wants to check out this shameless plug, uh, but you know, uh, you know, is she the most powerful? Probably not. Mainly because there's so many other characters that are at that level, just based on what we've seen in the comics, based on uh, what we've heard, just you know, from hearsay. Uh, she's no more powerful than any other, like, powerful hero. That's not to say she's, like, weak by any means, but uh, y- just to say she's the most powerful is uh, a little ridiculous. To say yeah. she's the most popular is absolutely absurd. Like, I, I think she's a relatively new character. Um, she hasn't really sold all too well in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, just given the initial reviews, which, again, we'll cover in a sec, uh, it's, yeah, not great so far. Uh, so why is Kevin Feige saying this? Uh, and I think that's pretty clear. It's because he's trying to sell this movie that fans really don't want to see. Uh, yeah. And here's the thing, right? Yeah. He's basically relieving all the tension from even seeing Avengers Endgame by saying that. Because we know she's in it. And by him saying, oh, she's the most powerful character we've seen on screen. He's basically saying, oh, yeah, she's going to win. That's it. That She's going to do it. Like, yeah. why would you do that? You're ruining the interest in your own movie. And we should say this conveniently. I don't know if it was released right after, but it did seem to come out after the whole uh, Rotten Tomatoes debacle where the want to see rating was going way down. Yeah, Maybe I because mean, of a coordinated effort, we, we can't it, this verify was, that. Yeah, so um, I, I do have a few things to say about this. Uh, first of all, it, it's pretty clear that that was a response on Rotten Tomatoes' end uh, like to this directly like uh yeah they took away the the ability to even rate the want to see thing so that's gone yeah no the timing on that seems too perfect for it just to be a coincidence uh and disney you know paid a, again them. disney paid them. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's just like my rational need to sort of make connections between things but it, it just seems like too much of a coincidence for them just to have uh, removed it um i i know disney has some sort of stake in rotten tomatoes i know uh, they have some sort of control over what goes on site so uh, it, it's like too many pieces there for it not to be connected. Um, yeah, so the want to see rating was down to 28%, which is, I've never seen it that low on Rotten Tomatoes. Not to say I'm the kind of person who stocks Rotten Tomatoes for these sort of things, but like I've seen unpopular movies hit like 90 at lowest. That's like, it, it's absurd how much of a drop there is here, you know? Yeah. Um, fans do not want to see this movie. The marketing has not helped, uh, and, you know, we have a week until the thing comes out. I, I guess, uh, you know, we'll see at that point. But it, it's amazing. This might be Marvel's first bomb, honestly. Like, I, 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 I'm actually, like, 
kind of anxious to see what happens with the whole thing. Yeah, well, you know, part of it is being marketed, as we've said, as a bit of a feminist type thing. And, you know, yeah. if it doesn't do good, that just shows we still need more feminism. People aren't ready for women to be strong. Yeah, so, I mean, like, we made the connection last week about how it's, like, sort of hypocritical to compare it to, like, a late battle angel. Um, yeah. You know, clearly people are ready for female protagonists. Clearly having a woman in that role is not intimidating for anyone. Uh, mm. I, and this just reminds me so much of the whole Wonder Woman thing. Like, DC handled that so much better. Like, even if you weren't a huge fan of the movie, even if you thought it was too light, like, you got to admit, um, despite the fact that she is seen as being more of a feminist hero, they didn't melt the hell out of that. They just let the character be her, you know? Yeah. She was who she was. She wasn't yeah. She wasn't representing her, her entire sex. She was just representing exactly. herself. And... Yet, like, no one was calling fans sexist for that. No one was criticizing Wonder Woman for being, like, a female-led uh, superhero movie, you know? Yeah, although they did allude to it in subtle ways. Like, you know, they hired a female director specifically, and yeah. they talked about it a little bit, like, you know, directing it from a female perspective. But, I mean, that's that's within the realm of understandability. Yeah, no, I mean, that, I, I think I, that's, like, not an unreasonable thing to suggest either, you know? Like, uh... It's not unreasonable to suggest that a woman might understand how a woman thinks better than a man, you know? You know, I would go as to say that that's true because I really don't understand how women think sometimes. Yeah. Well, we're two guys hosting a podcast on nerd culture, so... Uh, I mean, you do know. you need any more evidence than that? Precisely. Okay. So, I mean... Let, I will say this. Let's set the record straight very quick. So, I went on the unofficial official Marvel Wiki... To compare different characters' power levels to Captain Marvel in the canonical 616 universe. Now, we're, we're getting into some deep shit right here. <laughs> so, each character has a power rating based in six categories, which are intelligence, strength, speed, durability, energy projection, and fighting ability. So, what, I, what exactly I compared were the different levels of all of these uh, different ratings between the characters, and I would consider a character more powerful than Captain Marvel if they had a higher amount of these specific categories that were higher ranked. So it was either like mostly equal with a little with a few higher or all of them higher. Mm -hmm. So I made a quick short list here. Number one, we have the Hulk who's obviously a lot stronger and a lot more durable. We and have then, Silver Surfer, yeah. who's, I would say, more durable, and he has, like, infinite energy projection. Mm -hmm. Every kind of Thor, that includes Odinson, Beta Ray Bill, Eric Masterson, and Jane Foster. Yes, even Jane Foster, according to this wiki, has higher, you know, ability levels than Captain Marvel. Which stands to reason, I mean, if they're all wielding Mjolnir, they should theoretically all have the power of Thor, so, yeah. you know. Going more cosmic, we have Nova, who, as you know, there's the Nova Core in Guardians of the Galaxy, and Nova is the, I, I guess, Earth representative. We have Captain Marvel's son, Genis Vel, who is like a genetically engineered son, and he has these things called the Negabands, which give him an added power boost. This Captain Marvel, the female one, does not have those. So this one is more powerful. Hmm. Iron Man, strangely enough, is also listed, I assume, with his more advanced tech armors. He is, uh, I guess he has more, more power somehow. We have the Sentry, who, 
I don't really know too much about him. He's kind of like Superman he, he was, Thor Cross. Yeah, no, essentially he was made to be like the Marvel version of uh, Superman, but just never really gained the same sort of popularity. Um, right. Yeah. We have Hyperion, who actually is the Marvel version of Superman. Like, if you read about his origin, it's total ripoff. He's even in, in love with some woman whose initials are LL, yeah. and he grew up on a farm. Gotcha. Uh, and funny thing, instead of a reporter, he's a comic book artist. Hmm. Coincidental. So then we also have Adam Warlock, who we've mentioned in the past was the Thanos killer or neutralizer. We have Phoenix, who's getting her own movie. Which we'll talk about in a minute. The Phoenix Force, yes. We have Rogue, obviously, depending on whose power she absorbs, who, incidentally, she absorbed uh, Miss Marvel's power way back, and that's when she became cool. I, I feel like she shouldn't even be on this list, honestly, just because her powers would vary so, like, depending on who she actually, uh, you know, touches. Yeah, maybe, but it adds a little salt in the wound. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And finally, Thanos, who's not a hero, but he is stronger, according to this wiki. So where does she... Kevin Feige, what are you telling us? Yeah. So she's not even the strongest character currently in the MCU. Like, <laughs> that, that's ridiculous, you know? Like, Well, I guess they're making her out to be in this this version of the universe, which is Earth 99999 or something. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, I guess we'll say... Uh... <laughs> You know, not to linger on this topic too long. Uh, we do have a couple of other stories we want to cover, like, before we have to wrap up here. So uh, let's dive yeah, in. Let's it. get on to the Dark Phoenix trailer. There's a trailer, too. And we previously mentioned how the test screenings were apparently not going so well. But yeah. I will say, in the very least, this trailer did look better than the last one. Yeah, no, this trailer, like, look, negative reviews aside, this was a cool trailer. You know, like, this actually gave me a little bit of hype for the whole thing. Yeah, they did show them to be in space, which is good, because yeah. it is a cosmic force. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm getting the sense that they're, like, not trying to sweep this under the rug. Like, they're trying to go full out with it, go comic accurate with it. Um, they're actually going for the more alien roots of the whole thing. Um, yeah, so, I suppose so. that's a nice so. touch. Like, uh, they're trying to stay true to the comic, which I think fans can really appreciate. Yeah, and you had a theory about who uh, Jessica Chastain's character is. Please yeah, which, uh, I, should I get to that first, or should I get to the uh, one death in the trailer? Ah, yes. Okay, so in the trailer, we are to assume, from the way it makes things look, that Mystique is killed by the Phoenix Force, that she loses control, and bang, away goes Jennifer Lawrence, which I feel like revealing in the trailer is a bit of an overcorrection yeah. to people criticizing the fact that she was featured so much in the first one. Yeah, which honestly, like, I didn't get the first time that it was her who was dead. You know, that wasn't, like, outwardly apparent to me. But, uh, you know, apparently so many fans made that connection right away. And apparently one of the guys in charge, I think it was uh, Simon Kinberg, who wrote and directed the thing, like, confirmed that she's dying within the first act, you know? Huh. Well... <laughs> so they could have waited to reveal that but whatever yeah. well i mean look this guys it's okay jennifer lawrence is in top billing you can watch the movie yeah well i yeah no it's a weird twist to reveal i and i think uh like the reason they gave for doing it was because uh you know to show that the movie has stakes that characters will die that you know um yeah so it, it's a weird reasoning it's a weird rationale to have but uh whatever um so i mean i've already listed my sort of complaints with sophie turner's performance uh why don't I get into the whole Jessica Chastain thing? 
Um, yes, because currently she's only listed on IMDb as Smith, which is yeah. obviously not her so, real um, name. We, That's as much a real name as John Harrison was Khan's real name in, in Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah, so, um, I mean, we know it's not a real name, uh, not just because it's, like, no living character in the X-Men franchise, but uh, because she actually confirmed, I think it was on Jimmy Kimmel, or it was either, it was either Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon, it was one of the Jimmys, uh, that she came <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, she came on to show this trailer, she talked about it. Uh, she revealed her name's not Smith, which is oh, kind of interesting. Shuck. Which is kind of interesting. Um, so here's the thing. Here's what her uh, actual bio was listed on uh, Wikipedia, the character. Jessica Chastain as an alien shapeshifter with a mysterious connection with Xavier who manipulates the Phoenix. Hmm. Kinsberg described her as the devil on Jean's shoulder while Chastain called her character clinical. So uh, hmm. does that sound like anyone to you? It does not, but I did have a feeling that she was essentially going to be the uh, representative or manifestation of the Phoenix Force's will or whatever you would like to describe it as. Okay. Does the name Cassandra Nova mean anything to you? I have no idea who that is. Okay, so this is getting deep into the comics lore, and this honestly makes me think that uh, <laughs> this is this is starting to make me wonder uh, if the Rotten Tomatoes ratings might be true. Um or sorry, not the Rotten Tomatoes ratings, but like the early fan screenings. Uh, right. So Cassandra Nova is the evil twin of Charles Xavier. Uh, Cassandra Nova was apparently born like she, she was never actually born. Like she was like killed in the womb by Charles, but she was actually like an alien from some far out planet that was born bodiless and just like manifested in Charles's mother's womb. And was apparently born without Charles or the mother knowing. <laughs> so uh, like weird ass origin, right? Um, that seems like the most strange way to retcon a connection right. ever. No, it's the weirdest thing. Like, it's weirder than the fact that Juggernaut is canonically Charles's brother, too. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, I, um, I still don't like no, that. No, that's, that's weird, but it's, like, been in the comics for, like, 50-plus years. Um, I know. So, Cassandra Nova, well-established in the X-Men lore. I've never actually read a comic with her in it, but she's well-known among, like, diehard X-Men fans. And uh, she actually does have some popularity among the characters. So aside from being like, uh, you know, an alien species, uh, she's widely considered to be a stronger telepath than Charles Xavier. She's widely considered to have all of his powers magnified, as does the Phoenix Force. Uh, ah. Do you see the connection here? <laughs> there's, there's a deeper connection? No, I, I'm, there's more than I, I'm saying do you see that connection based on like what I read from the Wikipedia bio? Yeah, yeah. Alien shapeshifter Definitely. with a mysterious connection with Xavier. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense because like how else would you explain, I guess rationally why Jean could have uh, higher uh, psionic powers, what would it be? Psionic or telepathic powers than Professor X. Yeah, it's more like or less Professor the same. X is the telepath. He's the one who killed off the entire uh, X-Men in Logan just by having a I don't know, seizure. Uh, he sneezed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a seizure. Well, okay. that that's sort of what they led people to believe. Um a sneezer. Yeah, so, um, yeah, at least uh, Jessica Chastain seems to be a separate entity from the Phoenix Force itself. But, uh, like, so first of all, like, I haven't read the comic itself, and I really probably should before this movie comes out. But, uh, ba basically, like, it, it, this just seems like too much of a coincidence to me for it to be, like, just something to shrug off, you know? Like, the fact that they're not revealing the character's name either, that, that it just leads me to think that it has to be a character from the comics that fans would recognize otherwise, you know? That seems pretty reasonable. Yeah. Okay, so that's my initial theory. And I'm sure uh, people are going to be like, oh, wow, he's right. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, or, oh, wow, I still don't have any idea who that is. Cassandra Nova. I guess you're right. Cassandra Nova. Look her up. She's also yeah. bald as hell, which is uh, kind of creepy. But uh, it makes sense given she's a Charles' sister and a telepath. Okay. Yeah. So um, oh, that, that just runs in Patrick Stewart's family, I guess. Well, he does have alopecia. <laughs> ah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so we do have, like, one more story, which I guess we can cover really quickly. It's not too time-consuming. Um, yeah. So Hellboy, which is the David Harbour reboot, uh, I, I guess he's not like technically directing or anything, but he's, you know, the new Hellboy um, officially it has gotten an R rating, which that's a good. Thing. That's amazing. And he is why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we obviously we had Deadpool with its R rating, which was successful. Um, what else do we have? I think Blade, the Blade movies were rated R. I thought they were PG-13, uh, uh, but I may be wrong. I think the third one might have been, and that's why it sucked, or one of the reasons. Yeah. But, yeah, anyway, I think there's definitely a growing spot for more R-rated comic book-focused-based movies. There, there's definitely the there's definitely enough of a precedent there that uh, R-rated comic book movies can do well. Um, that being said, like, the character is known for being gritty. If you saw the original Hellboy movies, they were holding back, but they were so, like, dark and so cool for their time. You know, um... So it, it's not shocking to me in the slightest that, uh, like, it's getting this R rating just because it's becoming a more, like, well-accepted thing among the Hollywood mainstream. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm really psyched for this And one. as we said last time, or actually I read somewhere as Nicolas Cage also said that um, Ghost Rider definitely would deserve an R rating. Characters like that who are meant to be dark yeah. and based in, you know, like, more monster concepts or things related to hell. That, I mean, they need the R rating yeah. in order to get the full breadth of the material well put onto the screen and not just a watered down version that's just made to have a few action sequences yeah which could still be cool but you know but we need a little more a little bit more meat these days yeah i will say uh if they do do a justice league dark movie at some point it's gonna have to go for an r rating i don't know that might be a hard sell oh, they can't God, even sell cool. normal justice league yet yeah okay uh so without further ado this has been Utterly Nonsense. You can listen to full episodes of this podcast on any platform where you can find us. And, of course, watch the clip segments during the week on YouTube. And you can also check us out on social media to keep up with all the things we post. All the links of which will be in the description. I'm John and he's CJ. And as always, it's not news. It's nonsense. Aiden Music, play us out. out.